Technology, innovation, education, assessment, creativity, and a rapidly changing world. After nearly two decades in education as a history teacher, consultant, and director of technology, I keep returning to one question. What might a classroom look like at the intersection of the intentional and thoughtful use of technology and high quality teaching and learning? This is the question I'll attempt to answer with concise weekly episodes designed to give my listeners a slightly new way of thinking about education and what it might look like when we carefully explore new ideas to shift our thinking. I'm your host, Greg Kulowick, and this is Education Considered. Education Considered. Education Considered. Education Considered. Rubrics are a staple of nearly every classroom environment. From K to 12, at the lower elementary, all the way up to a junior or senior level high school course, educators leverage rubrics to provide really quality feedback for their students. Whether it's a department-wide rubric, a four-point rubric, a five-point rubric, something to guide students through an individual assignment, or maybe even a single-point rubric where the central theme is in the middle and then educators are looking to provide opportunities for growth and where students have demonstrated skill and ability in that area, There's lots of different ways to approach rubrics. In this episode of Education Reconsidered, I want to explore the idea of rethinking the concept of a rubric through an idea that I developed a while back called visual rubrics. And I'll explain a bit more about visual rubrics, but I want to give a little bit of context for why I ended up in this place and why I wanted to share this idea with my listeners. So in my experience as a high school history teacher, when I used department-wide rubrics or grade-level rubrics, what my experience was that I was often stuck kind of like circling one of the landing places for a student on whatever criteria we were using, and it was really hard to kind of identify, are they a three, a four, or a five in this area? Oftentimes, they might have um, skills and abilities they're demonstrating that land in the three category, but also some of them land in the four category, and it was always challenging to kind of get a really accurate picture of where they're landing at any one time. Other challenges that I faced is I never really felt like there was an opportunity for students to look at how they um, performed against a rubric, and then there was never time and space and opportunity, or was never even really the thinking around having them use that as the opportunity to work towards growth and have another shot at kind of improving where they landed and demonstrate their ability to um, kind of show the skills and abilities that we're measuring against that rubric. And then one other challenge that I often face, and I know this is one that many educators deal with, is oftentimes students could kind of work their way through the rubric, read what the criteria is, read the different ways they're being measured, and almost use the rubric as a recipe where they can meet all of the criteria, turn in the assignment, but you really know that they haven't really walked away with a a deep, solid, or profound understanding of the idea. They're really just able to turn work in that meets the criteria of the rubric, but it's not really tied to high-quality learning that's going on um, with that experience that we've designed for them. So for all of those reasons, and probably more that we don't have to get into in this uh, kind of like micro episode, um, I remember a number of months ago, I sat down and I had this idea and I started sketching it out on a piece of paper. And I'll put a link to that original sketch in the show notes below. Um, And I wanted to figure out a way to kind of transform rubrics in, in two different ways. And one of them was to visualize Um, and and present with a better visual mechanism the way students were performing um, against the rubric we've designed. So I always felt that that kind of like table, linear, where if a student, we circle a three, that's kind of only where they are, and you're not even designing it with the implication of growth or the implication 
of the opportunity to improve. That was always kind of problematic to me. So even just the visual appearance, kind of what that visual appearance has baked into it, the values that are baked into it, I always kind of interpreted that as you get a circle in one of the boxes one time and then we're moving on. So I wanted to redesign it in a way that would have growth as a value baked into a new way to visualize student learning and the opportunity to grow. So that was one. The other thing when I think about kind of rethinking rubrics and why I landed on this idea of visual rubrics is that oftentimes, you know, one of the challenges I faced with rubrics is that it wasn't really measuring what we truly value in terms of the skills, abilities, and dispositions that we're trying to get our students to um, improve on, grapple with, and demonstrate over a longer period of time. The rubric I always felt was uh, kind of uh, distilled or boiled down to, here's what you need to do to perform well on this discrete task. And that performance was separate from the bigger goals and objectives that we had for the class as a whole. So taking those two ideas together, how might we be able to visualize student growth over time? And then how might we be able to imply that there are core underlying fundamental skills in our class that we can use assignments on, right, to, to have students perform on the individual assignment, receive their grade on the assignment, but really use that assignment as a tool to help us kind of gauge how are they progressing along five, six, or maybe seven, who knows how many, like core skills, abilities, and dispositions that we really want the, to kind of have them move the needle on. So I think as a history teacher, something like, um, you know, the ability to craft an argument, the ability to use evidence, the ability to uh, research and make a quality claim, like those are things that are really valuable. We'll explore the curriculum as a mechanism to get there. And yes, students have to know and understand the specifics of the content that we are exploring around a specific era or an event that we're studying. But really, I want them to use those instances, those historical instances, those uh, kind of components of the curriculum as getting towards skills and abilities. So so the way the kind of the way I started to envision this and visualize it, and then I have a number of templates and a video playlist that I'll link down below, is to actually use a Google Sheet and have the Google Sheet when we're inputting student progression, um, a, a, you know, towards a skill or ability, uh, maybe on a scale of four or a scale of five, have that data present in terms of a radar chart or a spider chart. So if you've never seen a radar chart or a spider chart before, it's a way to visualize data and almost envision it like a bullseye. So at the center of the bullseye is zero, and then there would be concentric circles moving outward. The first circle might be a one, the second circle a two, three, four, five. So the outer circle is the highest level that you can score. Now on the outside of that high level circle, maybe there's five skills, abilities, and dispositions we want students to work towards. Imagine five different points on the outside of the circle. So this idea of students growing over time, I love to think about measuring student capacity at like multiple instances across the year. So maybe at uh, the first quarter or halfway through the first quarter, we're going to look at the work that students have submitted and kind of evaluate their ability on these five kind of really big core skills and abilities. And they, on one of them, they might land at a two and another one, they might land at a three and then another three and a two and maybe a one. So th those points allow us to create a line as that first level of kind of entry that would be color coded. 
And then maybe at the end of quarter one, we go from like a light red color to a dark red color. And maybe students have progressed to a three, a three, a two, a two, and a three. So we would see growth moving outward. And they might regress, right, based on the work that they're doing. That's totally reasonable. But what we end up with is this really powerful visualization where students can see Hey, at the first uh, kind of instance of evaluation, maybe that's a light red, they can see a shape of where they've landed on this radar chart, spider spider chart, which I'm kind of calling a visual rubric. And then they can see, oh, it looks like I'm a little deficient in this area. What might I be able to do to improve my capacity and then demonstrate that in another round of work or in another assignment? And they would see, obviously, also where they're really kind of progressing and showing skill and mastery. And I think what I really like about this layout, unlike this kind of table-based traditional rubric, is that the, the visual nature of this, moving outwards towards the goal, working towards proficiency, it implies growth and it lets students see and have a visual of how they're performing right now. So I spoke with actually an educator that's implementing this strategy in her classroom. I spoke with educator Emily Huff, and I'm just going to pull a few excerpts out from that interview so you can hear kind of what the impact of visual rubrics have been in a classroom. Twitter is, is a crazy place sometimes, but it is also a magical place. And I firmly remember like liking and just running. And I don't even know how I came across Greg's tweet on his like this idea. I have this idea of this thing and I had never heard of him before and I had no idea. But when I saw kind of what he was envisioning with these visual rubrics, I was just awestruck and was like that, that I think is is my answer. This thing that I've been looking for because I teach the upper levels of Spanish. So this is sort of where I was in the spring. I was like, I have these kids and I really, really try to stress for this last several years, growth mindset, like take challenges, take risks. Um, and it's all about just doing something better tomorrow that you didn't do today and growth mindset and all this stuff. But then you have these Gen Z students in your classroom that are so compliant driven. And when you give them the rubric with the little squares, they just want to check the boxes in these little squares and don't really look at it through a growth model. And I really wanted to show them, especially with their language learning, with like speaking and writing and, and things like that, that you know, you can grow and you can progress. And it's not just like getting better in a general, like you can break it down into these little categories of like articulation and content and vocabulary and things like that. So I decided to try this uh, with this travel narrative um, rubric. So I was using the exact same five criterion labeled rubric structure. And the kids did have a copy of like the big old square rubric that shows what it was, but I decided before I even began the lesson to give them sort of like a pre-assessment, um, like a starting point to get like a ground level, like this is where you are. So that was my round one for this activity. And then I labeled, so the, the categories are the content, articulation, accuracy, and fluency. And that was their pre-assessment. They didn't really know what they were doing and why they were doing it. But then they got uh, this little chart and it just had the blue diamond on it. And I said, now we're going to do it again in a couple of weeks. And we looked at it again in a couple of weeks. And I was like, your goal is to try to do better. Just make your blue diamond larger. And some of them were like, my diamond doesn't look like a diamond. It looks like a straight line. And I was like, let's talk about why 
it looks like a straight line. Like what corner are you missing? Or like, what is, what's going on here with your shape versus this shape? And we were really able to have these like shape driven conversations about like, well, mine looks like it's dented. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Oh, it means my fluency is really rough. And I'm like, okay, so now let's go back to the rubric and figure out how we can move you from one category to the next. But it was all about, I said, you know, what your score is, is what your score is. So what you could take that, if I, I'm really bad at math, uh, for the 20 points, because uh, usually they'd be like, oh, I got a 17. Great. And they would move on with their day. But when I started giving them these shapes, all of a sudden we were having different conversations than just what's a 17 mean? What does a 15 mean? What does a 13 mean? It was more about the, oh, wow, look at this corner. Or, oh, wow, I really need to do better here. Oh my gosh, I'm already so good at articulation. Uh, and it, the conversations just totally changed. Yeah, I, I mean, I just, I cannot um, say enough about how much of a fan I am of, of this type of, um, I guess, I, I guess rubric, which it seems, it just seems such a simple way to say what this is because it, you know, for me, it's been a discussion point and, and finally having growth conversations with the kids after like years of, you know, all the little growth mindset posters and everything like that. It's like, they actually see it. And like, when you can show them a visual, uh, it's just so much more impactful and effective and honestly easy as an, like as a teacher, that's overwhelmed a lot of the time, um, being able to like narrow it down to numbers and point to growth and, and have those like quick shortcut conversations about it. Um, it's just been, it's been great. This is, this was a wonderful thing that entered my life a few months ago, and I'm so excited to continue That's to awesome. use it in the future. I just really want to thank Emily again for joining me on that conversation a few months ago and being able to pull some of her ideas um, into this episode of Education Considered. She just painted such a compelling reason uh, why this idea might be valuable in your classroom. What I keep coming back to is that idea about students having a discussion about the shape of their learning and how impactful that visual can be and how different the kind of, uh, what the experience can be just because the value of growth, the value of discussion is just kind of embedded and baked into the design of these visual rubrics. So I really appreciate you listening to Education Considered. I hope this episode was valuable and kind of shifting your thinking a little bit about what uh, the impact of the really careful and thoughtful use of technology can look like in the classroom. Like I mentioned earlier, I'll put a bunch of resources, some templates, a video playlist in the show notes in the description down below if you want to dig into this concept a little bit more. So thanks again for listening, and I look forward to catching you on the next episode of Education Considered.